I think the biggest misconception that I see is assuming that the population we work with can be healed. This is something that they're born with. It's their chromosomes, it's their genetic makeup. It's not something that we are trying to fix. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to the Mo Show podcast, episode 28. It feels really good to be back in the studio after a long break. My guest tonight is an educational psychologist who specializes in severe special needs education and inclusion. Started by her mother in 1985, she opened the first help center of its kind in Saudi Arabia, catering to children and young adults with intellectual disabilities. Today, she heads the therapeutic team at the Help Center. In addition to being an active board member, please welcome Ms. Dania Randur. Thank you for having me. Thank you for making time for the show, Dania, and fitting us into your very busy <laughs> schedule. Did I miss anything in the opening with regards to what you guys do? Or is there anything you'd like to add in terms of offering at the Help Center? So in terms of services at the Help Center, um, as you said, we cater to young adults and children with intellectual disability. Um, and an intellectual disability is a usually a chromosomal abnormality that a child is born with. Um, so we cater to the family from birth up to 18 years old at the help center. Um, it's a holistic approach. It involves the entire family and sometimes the extended family. Um, and there are different programs at the help center as the child grows. Um, there is an educational aspect to it, but it's uh, more of a life skills program than uh, general education that you would see in a school setting. Um, we have an adapted academic program called the Bavarian Curriculum, which is obviously from Bavaria and has been adapted <laughs> to uh, to Saudia, and that was done in the late 80s, I believe. Um, so we go with that. Uh, the early intervention program is our first program which is from ages birthed up to three years old. Um, and again, that is a holistic approach. You have all the therapeutic teams, which are um, psychology, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, speech and audiology, uh, which involves feeding skills as well. Feeding, um, feeding, feeding. feeding skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so that would work with the little fine motor movements okay. of the jaw and swallowing, things yeah. like that. Um, uh, you have the nursing department, which comes in. We have visiting doctors that come, a lot of them come pro bono. We have like clinics throughout the months, uh, throughout once a month, I think we have an ortho clinic and once a month we have a pediatric clinic. Um, so we have visiting doctors that come and that gives access to the families. Okay. Um, and each child, depending on their age and their ability, has a different program. Mm -hmm. Um, tailor-made to, tailor yeah. to them and to their family like the early intervention works mostly with the family okay. after the age of three is when they really enter the help center um, and that's maybe one of the toughest things we have to do at the help center because unfortunately we we get a lot of babies yep. Yep. so we can't take them all because we don't have capacity for it mm -hmm. our capacity per group per classroom is 12 kids to three teachers you have one head teacher and two assistants okay um, so it's like um what like one for one four pupils per teacher four to one yeah, almost the almost, ratio which is or, quite concentrated yeah, it is all right it is and then you have the helpers and you have volunteers that come mm -hmm. in we have interns i mean this the past two years have been different obviously but usually we have school interns we yeah. have community service yeah, yeah. so there's always more and then the, yeah. sometimes the classroom is not at capacity obviously okay. um but with the little ones sometimes it's only 11 in the class it really depends yeah. um we have a criteria of acceptance that we each department abides by 
um, in order to see which children are eligible to enter the center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the eligibility depends, doesn't necessarily depend on their disability. They have to have an intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. um, so for that reason, we, we don't take autism yeah. um, because autistic children need a different kind of intervention than the children that we do take. Okay, so that um, more, more, more severe, would you say? I wouldn't say it's more severe. I think it's just, it's different. Okay. Uh, they need different kinds of attention. Uh, there's different levels of autism as okay. well, obviously. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's just, we've found that, especially the Down syndrome kids and the autistic kids usually don't mesh in. They can't go by the same, um, uh, they don't go by the same curriculum. curriculum. Um, for that reason, it's not, there's something in education called the, the least restrictive environment, which is the environment that caters to the child. Mm -hmm. um, so if we are not the best environment for this child, mm -hmm. we can't take them. Um, so it's the environment that the child benefits the most from in all aspects of education, of life, of family, of teaching. So in that, when you're looking at that, that's where I think autism and other neurodevelopmental disabilities don't really fit in with us. Um, uh, so that continues up until age 18. Uh, we have different programs. Uh, the, the classrooms go by age. They graduate at 18. And then we have something called Dirat Ajdadi, which is our alum program, mm -hmm. uh, where a lot of, it's split, half day for boys, half day for girls, just because that's the general population that we work with are still in that, a lot of them are still in yeah. that mind frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've split, they see each other and they have fun and they're all friends, um, but to respect the culture, this is what we do, the segregation. Yeah. And also a lot of the boys yeah. work in the mornings. So they okay. come in the afternoons to socialize, they do sports, they do arts, they yeah. socialize with their friends. So we've created kind of a, an environment for them to socialize outside of the help center. Yeah. Yeah. Because for a lot of these kids, the help center was their life for so many years. And then Fajr, we have to go back home and- The open sea, you know. yeah. yeah. They miss it, I'm sure. Yeah. Going into this episode, I, uh, I knew I was gonna learn a lot because, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't have a family member who uh, is is considered, uh, you know, in need of special needs, you don't know anything about that world, mm -hmm. and 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 I don't. So forgive any ignorant questions that might come your way. I did try to do as much research as I can going in, but you're going to probably find some questions that, um, you know, m m maybe are on the slightly ignorant side. So 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 bear with me. Um, I wanted to know in your line of work, uh, Dania. What are the common misconceptions that you see? So I think the biggest misconception that I see is assuming that the population we work with is can be healed um, or are referred to as an illness or marad or it's this is something that they're born with. It's their chromosomes, it's their genetic makeup. It's not something that we are trying to fix. Um, it's something that we're teaching them and the world to work with. Um, and there is a personality. Another one of the biggest misconceptions I see is that, um, especially with intellectual disabilities, with, with, Down, uh, with Down syndrome, with um, some disabilities that have more physical attributes, um, people tend to see that before they see the child. And they attribute any behavior, any personality to the disability. Um, so I always try to remind people that there's a person behind the disability and they should come first. They're not defined by their disability. They're defined by who they are as a person. 
And the disability is just a part of who they are. You know, it's the same way we have colored hair or colored eyes. It's it's almost the same thing. It's yeah. something we're born with. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like getting a little emotional only, <laughs> only because I think the nicest thing anyone can do in life is help others, you know? And, and for as long as I've known you when you started your career, as long as I've known you as a professional, you went straight to helping your mom mm -hmm. in what she started. So it's been 15 years, shockingly. Mm -hmm. I can't believe time has run <laughs> that much. Um, so yeah, I might just be going off piece for a second, but but I just I, I I I love the way you speak about what you do, and I can I can I can imagine how many times you've had to fix people's thinking that no, this is not something that can be reversed. Mm -hmm. This is something that we have to um, help them adapt into the world so that they can uh, find a way to make life easier for them mm -hmm. you know like i don't know if i'm choosing my words correctly but just help help them you know uh fit into the world that we live in and and to um make it as seamless as possible yeah. you know um uh, helping people in any capacity i think is you go to the top of the chain of people that i respect you know you. You, you help people that's number one you know, doctors, nurses, whatever, and then everything else falls underneath. Back to the podcast. <laughs> uh, your mom started 35 uh, years ago mm -hmm. in 1985. Daniel, did you know when you graduated from Boston that did you know that this is what you want to do? So <clears throat> I didn't really think of it, I think. So I grew up with the center. I was a year old when she started it. I remember going as a child. I was always there. It started in a small villa in the Jafali compound. Um, I had friends at the center. I never saw the kids at the center as different from me. I knew they were different, but it didn't occur to me. I think it never really occurred to me that they were very different or that they weren't as included in society because they were a part of my world. They always have been. Um, going into university, I knew that this is a field that I wanted to work in. Um, I didn't necessarily think I was coming back to Saudi and work at the help center. It really wasn't in my radar. I was never asked to come back. My mom never expected that I would come and work at the center. I actually, my thesis was in inclusive education. Um, my first job in the States was uh, working with young adults, so teenagers with uh, traumatic brain injuries. Um, from that, I learned that I, I was 18 or no, I don't know, I was 19 maybe at the time. Yeah. So I had no authority over the 19 year old because I was their age and I looked their age or younger. Um, and that's when I started focusing more on younger children. Um, again, in Boston, when I was doing my master's, I worked in a school, an inclusive school uh, with children with learning disabilities, severe learning disabilities. Um, and so you there came, was you came with some experience i came with yeah, yeah i worked in the states for three years before i came back to jeddah um because i i did do my thesis on inclusion in saudi versus inclusion in the states oh, just yeah. comparison to what i was working in not a general comparison mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i when i worked with the the learning disabled children there was a little girl with down syndrome in that class and that kind of brought me back i think to mm intellectual disability, and I loved working with her. So it just came naturally when I graduated. I just 
I guess I just moved back and this was the natural thing for me to do. Yeah. I started off, I took over the psychology department or as a co-head. Um, and then within a couple of years, I was head of that department. And then two years ago, I became the head of the therapeutic department. So now my job is not directly with the children anymore. Yeah. Um, but So it's always been a part of my life, but I can't say that I knew that I would be coming back to do this job specifically. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it, it does. I just, I love the tour of like how you got yeah. to where you are today. It's beautiful. Uh, as far as um, progress that we're doing in Saudi with, you know, wanting to seek help, mm -hmm. would you say more people are seeking help now against those who are in need of it? Definitely. More are seeking. Are seeking. Which is great. More than in need of it, I don't know. I can't answer that question, but I think... In this field, um, or in medical fields in general, it's always there's always going to people in going to be people in need. Mm -hmm. um, we have a long way to go in terms of special education and inclusion, um, but things are changing. More people are people are speaking out. Uh, the parents of those kids are making waves, and they're they're doing amazing things. And we wouldn't be anywhere without the parents yes, of yes. the kids that we work with. Yeah. Um, so they've really changed. They've paved the way for their own children. And then we helped give the children a voice as well mm -hmm. um, by including them in different things in society with all the different changes that are happening mm -hmm. now. You know, we try to really inject them yeah. in everything and make sure their rights are met as well. Um, there will always be more need. Um, I think it's always going to be as many people being helped. There's going to be the same, if not more, people that need, need help. help. Yeah. So that actually makes me think of, of, of this scenario. Um, the families are in need of training just as much as maybe the kids need the help because they spend the odd 17, 18 hours of the day, you know, with the family member, with the family member who's uh, who's of special needs. So do you guys offer training for, for, for family members? We do. Um, so like I mentioned, our whole, our program is a holistic program. So we involve the family as much as we can. Um, another misconception about the help center sometimes is that we are, um, a boarding facility, which mm. we are not. And that was that's on purpose. We will never be a boarding facility okay. uh, for the purposes of the families being involved in their children's lives. Uh, you see a very big difference in the behaviors and progression of a child whose parents are involved and a progression of a child whose parents are not. It's very clear, um, regardless of the ability or not. Um, so we start at a very young age, as I mentioned in the early intervention yeah. program, the focus is on the mother. Anything the mother needs um, in terms of postpartum, we work with the postpartum depression. Um, we work with, there's a, sometimes guilt, uh, sometimes there's non-acceptance from families, family members. Um, they have father's days, they have siblings day, uh, we have grandparents day. So we have different activities throughout the year and that's all the way up to 18 where families are involved, the siblings are involved. Um, in the psychology department, for example, when um, a behavior occurs, we meet with the teacher first or the parent, depending on where the referral comes from. And then we work with whoever is involved in this behavior. We do home visits to see the environment at home. Um, we speak to the child, which I think in our culture, sometimes people don't speak to children. We don't think of it, no. um, but they're the most informative. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, a gap there. Yeah. And that's um, so yeah, we involved, we guide the parents. Mm -hmm. um, we can, we can only do so much. Like you said, eighteen hours of the day are spent at home. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so if there is a behavior or there is a difficulty or there is something they don't know how to deal with, all we can do is give the guidance and yeah. follow up. Yeah. But after that, it's up to them. So as much as we can get the parents involved, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, because it's, it's, it's them. It's we don't do anything Absolutely. without them. You can, as they say, lead a horse to exactly. water, but you can't make him drink. Um, I think it takes someone with patience um, and someone with a passion to 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 be involved in the kind of work that you are on a daily basis. And for those who are meeting Dania for the first time, she's not shy. This is her voice every day. <laughs> she is soft spoken. I think she's the most patient person in the world. Maybe. You know, I have in 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 our thirty odd years old. I don't think I've ever 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 seen her. Not even angry, but in a bad mood. Mashallah, tabarakallah, no, no, mashallah. I haven't seen it. So you know, I'm I'm on your good side, um, but but um, but but yeah, it takes someone with, with a lot of with a lot of patience, I think, and and a love for what they do. Yeah, you know, f- uh, to to do what you do, and hats off to you as always. Um, well, my next question was what, what makes a good educational psychologist, but I think I just <laughs> answered it um, uh, in the research that I did uh, leading up to this episode. Um, I uh, I wanted to know, like, in your perspective, what does make a good educational psychologist? So. By, when you describe an educational psychologist, it's a person who helps educational establishments, schools, authorities to create what we said, the least restrictive environment for the child. Um, so it's different to my work at the center. My work at the center is directly with the parents because we are the educational yeah. establishment. Yeah. Um, so I, when I work with the teachers, that's what I'm doing. Um, but I think what makes a good educational psychologist or an educator, honestly, in general, is patience. One, um, get to know the child. They will tell you what they need. If you give them a chance, they will tell you what they need. Never make an assumption about any child, whether they have a disability or not, because educational psychology is not not only for the population that I work with. It's it's a school counselor. That's what an educational psychologist is. they need to be have a background in the educational field, understanding how to make the necessary modifications, accommodations that a child needs, and be able to relate relay that to the teacher and the parent. Uh, make sure the environment of the child is safe. Um, and just honestly, what you said, you need to love the job. Love it's the job. not. Yeah. It's an exhausting job. It's yeah. draining sometimes, um, and you're working with people, so it's. It's trial and error. You're not always right. And that's scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go on a limb and, and assume that one of your best feelings is when you see a child's quality of life, per se, change for the better. Is it something Is it something you see and is it as rewarding when you do see it? It is rewarding. Um, and yeah, we see it. We see it a lot. Um, and alhamdulillah, it's not due to us. It's due to their home life. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that the environment, the school has a part to do with it. But I think when we educate the parents and when we educate the the household and we create a child that goes out and is proud of their disability, which we we've we have a whole program that allows the child to understand their disability if they have the capability to do so and advocate for themselves. So this is this is something that I worked on a lot. So the children advocate about their disability. They will tell you, I have Down syndrome. That means I have an extra chromosome 21 or whatever their disability is. Sorry, I use Down syndrome just because it's the most yeah, common. common. Yeah. Um, uh, but 
it does make me feel good, but again, it's not a factor in doing what I do. Got it. I, I don't know how to explain no, that. No, I got it. You, yeah, because you don't put yourself first. No, it's not. It's not about any, you. I honestly, the center is my happy place. I get it. I, I to I totally get it. Yeah. It's it's a it's a selfless good deed. You know, it's like yeah. yeah, you don't even you're not even crediting yourself. You're no. just happy to see them doing yeah. well, you know. End of story. Um a follow up to that. Uh, is there a specific case um or a child uh that like stayed with you, you know, days, weeks, months uh after you working with them, like a, a special case that just really affected you? There is. Um He's a little boy. I I started working with him my first year at the center. He is um, a laqit, which is an orphan that was left at a in a at a masjid in a basanet, and they found him and brought him to us when he was a baby. I met him when he was I want to say four years old. I'm not sure exactly, but it was he was one of my first cases. Um, we have um, a practice at the center and in therapy in general where if the therapist in charge of a case uh, doesn't have a connection or the child doesn't have a connection with the therapist or um, I don't have a word for it. There's just sometimes you don't connect yeah. and that's completely Chemistry. fine. Yeah, yeah, and that's completely fine. Um, but it's unfair of you as the adult to stay with that child and try to help them if they're not connecting yeah. with you. So I took over his case and we had a connection. Um, he's nonverbal. Um, he's one of the most interesting, he was one of the most difficult and one of the most interesting, maybe my most difficult case to date. Not sure what his diagnosis is. Okay. Can I just ask um, about nonverbal, like inability to speak? Inability to speak, to yeah, completely nonverbal. So okay. he had, it was interesting, his only words that when he was little, he would say mama and baba, which was very interesting because he didn't have parents. Um, but mama means ma'abra. And Baba meant, I, I honestly can't remember now, but it meant something else. We had a connection and the connection was, I let him play with the cassette tape and the music and he would just sit there and watch it turn. That was his reward. Um, and he's graduated now, he's 20. I unfortunately due to COVID haven't seen him in two years, um, but he's, I think he's, he's, stuck with you. he's stuck with, I, I wanted to adopt him at one point. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that didn't obviously happen. And again, I wasn't my my world was not his world. He would not have been happy in my world because yeah, his world was the orphanage. Now he's in the Shamil, uh, which is a great facility as well. So he's that's a very touching story. Yeah. So sorry, I can't share well, names. <laughs> no, 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 don't, no, don't. No need to share names. Just the the story alone is very touching. Um, you spoke about compartmentalizing your emotions. Mm. Um, was there ever a time where you, on the job? Um, you either got emotional or, you know, broke down? With the children, no. Um, my philosophy is when a child acts out, they're trying to tell you something. Um, so I tend not to lose it or break down with the child. And I, I have a lot of patience for that. Where I failed to compartmentalize once was with a parent. Um, and that was only because the things that were being said were not, words and actions did not meet. Okay. The child was being neglected in the, in the, the whole issue that was going yeah, on. Yeah. Um, so that I did lose it at mm -hmm. that point and I 
did tell their parents what I thought. And I mean, it was it was calm in a sense, but I probably shouldn't have. So it does get the better of you sometimes. sometimes yeah. um, and there is a big burnout factor in this field. I think in any field where you work with people, that you burn out. Sure. Um, and you have to be able to notice it. It's very difficult to realize. Yeah. And that did happen to me. And it's not only taking home the emotions from your job. It's also bringing in, the, if you're having a tough time at home or whatever, bringing that in. It's You have to be able to realize yeah. and be okay with the fact that you are human too. Because there's a lot of expectation. As a therapist, people expect you to have the answers when we're human as yeah. well. So yeah. we don't always have the answers. Yeah. That's true. We hold doctors and therapists yeah, to the highest exactly. standards. Um, <clears throat> a change you'd like to see in the field of educational psychology? Inclusion. Mm. Proper inclusion. And not necessarily for this population, but for special needs in general. Um, it so, does exist. Um, we do have dimsh, uh, but it's not, it's not practiced in the way that it could be it, it, i mean it, it there's a lot that can be done mm -hmm. there's a lot of modifications that can be done for the children um we can include shadow teachers we can include um, more ieps which are individualized education plans for the child yeah. so are we I behind think, on inclusion compared yes. to the rest of the yes, world like yes. we have a lot where yeah I, I would say we're still about 20 years behind wow um i mean we have it but we have something called it's more it's a, we have segregation in school settings um where children with special needs are being taught in these schools but they're in a classroom on their own and they're not being integrated into the normal classroom what we want is something called a substantially separate classroom i'm actually not sure if that's still what it's called today mm -hmm. uh, but it's basically where there is pull outs done where children are able to go to their normal say first grade classroom mm -hmm. when they are able to and then with their shadow do the extra work in their other classroom okay um and then be integrated in sports and arts and all the extracurriculars yeah. Yeah. um I mean, just psychologically for the child, you know, for, I mean, like, to get that sensation that you are a member of society and 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 no different, um, can go a long way, you know, to them feeling better about themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that because they don't feel bad about themselves. We that's our perception because our heart, okay. you see them. Wow. No, but you see a child with a disability, and you are judging your emotions, right? You're seeing, you're going, oh, he doesn't know uh, what it feels like to do whatever yeah. you know whatever is going through your head at the time but that's your life that's not his life true you know so he's he's perfectly happy i mean we have oblivious um, no they're not oblivious it's just a different life different life. it's a different life okay. it's a different it's his normal it's his normal yeah. it's his capacity or her capacity of understanding the world is very different to mine or yours um so bringing them into our world is not necessarily what they need we integrate them in their own way so we have i mean we integrate them in sports um two years ago the the special olympics took a saudi team the girls eight of the girls were from the help center um that's integrating them into the society uh, we have a sports stream a sports team called uh, Ghazlan al -Sahra. we have um, a drama team mm -hmm. we have a volunteer team of our graduates that go out during Ramadan, they do iftar and they they do their own CSR hours, they do their own community service. So they're no different. It's just 
they need the extra help. Yeah. They need us to guide them or they need an adult to guide them. And that will probably be for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, this is another change that we need to see is, okay, what happens when they're 30, Post. when they're 40? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is something we're looking into as well. Mm -hmm. It's all still very new. Yeah. Um, with regards to recruiting and hiring at the help center, um, how does that system work? Um, we, I can give you a link to our website put where, it, we'll put it in the YouTube yeah, description. where you have um, all career opportunities. You send in your CV and then goes through a normal um, interview process. Mm -hmm. um, you for the educational aspect of things, you would need a degree in at least special education of okay. some sort. Um, for the assistant jobs, it's not always necessary, but it honestly depends what position you're looking for mm -hmm. in the center. Um, another opportunity is volunteer opportunities, right. whether it's during events, whether it's just to do community service, whether it's just to come and hang out. Yeah. Our doors are always open. Yeah. Um, and, and do you have enough people applying for jobs or um, is there a waiting list or could you use help right now? How do things look? We can always use help. Always use help. We can always use help. Um, I mean, things things are constantly changing mm -hmm. um, and it's not a lucrative business, mm -hmm. you know? So. Yeah. Um, for some people, it's not. This is not what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we have, we our staff ranges. We have people that have been there for twenty five plus years, and mm -hmm. we have people that on our on a like yearly yeah, rotation. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so it really depends. Um, it's a really fun place to work in. I bet, <laughs> I bet. You know, action uh, and an adventure every day. Um, what's next for you? What's next for the help center? Where uh, where are you taking this in the next ten or twenty years? Uh we are i mean we're now we're focusing on honestly now we're focusing on recovering from the last two years sure. um so that's that's but we have a lot of things happening i mean there's a lot of stuff happening in the sports um the sports scene so mm -hmm. inshallah that's something we can talk about yeah um and then we are going to start focusing on the assisted living aspect of things so we are trying i mean now we can't do it because of covid restrictions but inshallah one of the plans is uh to see how we can start creating assisted living opportunities which is something that europe and the us has for this population and we don't but also our culture is very different to yeah. that we all live with our parents until we're married and have our own children and whatever you know that's the norm um but unfortunately our graduates our 30 year olds they will still need the help yeah even after but their parents pass away. So we're looking into assisted living now mm -hmm. and, and just creating opportunities for them and the society to see them as different. The reason this is coming up now and hasn't come up before is most likely because for Down syndrome specifically, um, a lot of them are born with heart defects. Um, and in the 80s, the operations for those heart defects were created. So now you're seeing the kids our age, which 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen as many 30 plus year old yeah. Down syndrome yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's this is a struggle. This is something that inshallah we can help with. And I think just the way things are going and all the changes that are happening, I think this is, and we just need to make sure we interject yeah, them in for everything. Sure. Yeah, the space has, I don't think yeah. has ever been in a better place yeah, to help. Exactly. I applaud, I commend, I salute your mother for starting uh, this business 35 years ago, uh, Auntie Maha Jafali, with, uh, with all the, also the support of, of your grandfather. 
just to see where it's you know been and, and where it is now and looking at you being the future of this uh, of the of the system of this institution um it's it's amazing you know i go back okay. to what i said in the, in the beginning i think the best thing you can do as a human being is to help another human being yeah. um and um and you're just the perfect person for the job you know you go in every day with a smile your patience again i've never seen you upset yet <laughs> don't think you'll ever be um but but really Annie dania it's uh, it's such an inspiring story because um it's um it's different it's not like your average clinic or your hospital this is a very focused tailor-made uh help center um that that is i mean how many are there in saudi just like you there is a couple count on one just hand. like us Similar. i don't think there are many but there are I don't know, a lot of them closed in the last few years. They're so closing. I'm not sure. Yeah, a lot of them have okay. closed. There are a lot specialized in Down syndrome. Okay. I know in Riyadh there is one, um, but they focus on only Down syndrome. And I believe in Shergia there is one as okay. well. Um, here in Jeddah, there were there are a few centers mm -hmm. that I know of that we work with. We work with all the centers. I can get you. There's On our website, you will find the link to a, a other centers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because we refer our kids to them if we cannot accept them or if we don't have space or whatever. Yeah. So... The waitlist kids are referred. Um, My point is, it's rare, you know. It it's, is, it, 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 and it's, it's needed, and it's needed, Much and it's needed. but it's also a very big operation. It, and we get the question sure. a lot: Why don't you open here? Why don't you open there? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think enough are open to cover the need. No, for whatever and, reason. And it's it's more this kind of establishment requires quality over quantity, quality, you know. Yeah. So it's not yeah. you it can is. open a million, but they won't necessarily mm. be good. Yeah, because it's a sensitive practice. Yeah. And, and and this specific practice is in the best of hands. Inshallah. Um, the way I see it. Inshallah. Thanks, Danny. Again, anything we, we miss? Anything you uh, you want to add before I we... Uh... I don't think so. I think we've covered it all. Thanks, Danny, so much for coming on the show. And um, and yeah, let's put all the links that have to do you know with, with the Help Center in the description box. People mm -hmm. can reach out to you. Mm -hmm. um, people who either need help or want to apply, uh, you know, to be a, a, a helper or a volunteer. And um, I love what you do. You Thank know you. that. I mean, I, I said that to you the day you started 15 years ago. And here you are, mashallah, heading a department. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank Thanks you for coming very on the much. show. Thank you for having See me. Ya. Thank you.